Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Last night, President Trump put out a video suggesting he may veto veto this big omnibus, porculous COVID relief bill. And he said, hey, look, Congress, I want you to send me back an amended bill. And it needs to have $2,000 or $4,000 per couple in direct payments. We've been talking a lot about this. You know, we were, they were going to give us the 600 bucks and then send a bunch of money over to foreign nations, other places. President Trump, we're going to play the full video for you tonight. It's a little bit longer, folks, but I think it's important for you to hear directly, number one, from the president, but also to help people understand, hey, this is why you go to a, a President Trump rally and people are out there yelling, we love you. We love you because he's putting you first. He's putting America first rather than what we see in this porculous bill where they're putting, I mean, a ton of other nations before you and I, the Americans. President Trump addresses the restaurant. So we're going to get into that tonight, but I also want to share with you your point of view on if you believe he should veto it or not. And are there potentially any pitfalls if he does veto this bill? First, I want to start here. Um, last night, I, I got some bad information. I was doing some some sales stuff here, and I had suggested to our guests and told our guests that, hey, uh, Congressman Kelly Armstrong had voted yes on this bill. And in, in fact, in fact, he voted no. So we talk about point of view, fighting for the truth for you. I want to correct that. We did at the end of last night's show, but I think there's so much conversation around this bill. I wanted to correct it again at the top of the show and let you know that Congressman Kelly Armstrong, our lone representative here in North Dakota, did vote no on this porculous omnibus COVID relief bill. As you can see, I tweeted that last night right after the show and wanted to say, say to Congressman Armstrong, um, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you for having the spine to vote against this bill. And most importantly, great job. Great job doing your job. So I apologize to Congressman Armstrong for putting out incorrect information and uh, appreciate the fact that he's doing the right thing for you and I. All right, let's talk about the situation with President Trump here. And he put out this video. Um, after the video, what I'm going to share with you is what you told me. I put a Twitter poll out asking you, hey, should President Trump veto this bill or not? I want to share that with you. But also, are there potentially any pitfalls if he were to veto this bill? I think the amendment piece is good. But how long can you drag this thing on with a potential government shutdown? And something else I want to address as well. But again, a little bit longer video, but I think it's important that you hear directly from the president all the reasons why he's not happy with this omnibus porculous COVID relief bill. Our Democrats cruelly blocked COVID relief legislation in an effort to advance their extreme left-wing agenda and influence the election. Then, a few months ago, Congress started negotiations on a new package to get urgently needed help to the American people. It's taken forever. However, the bill they are now planning to send back to my desk is much different than anticipated. This bill contains $85.5 million for assistance to Cambodia, $134 million to Burma, $1.3 billion for Egypt, and the Egyptian military, which will go out and buy almost exclusively Russian military equipment. $25 million for democracy and gender programs in Pakistan. $505 million to Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama. $40 million for the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., which is not even open for business, $1 billion for the Smithsonian, 
and an additional $154 million for the National Gallery of Art. Likewise, these facilities are essentially not open. $7 million for reef fish management, $25 million to combat Asian carp, $2.5 million to count the number of amberjack fish in the Gulf of Mexico, a provision to promote the breeding of fish in federal hatcheries, $3 million in poultry production technology, $2 million to research the impact of down trees, $566 million for construction projects at the FBI. The bill also allows stimulus checks for the family members of illegal aliens, allowing them to get up to $1,800 each. This is far more than the Americans are given. Now, one of the things very interesting that the President Trump addressed, he suggested that illegal immigrants could get $1,800 um, or in the in the old bill, $1,800 in direct payments because they would actually get a back pay. So they would get the $600 plus the $1,200 from the first direct payment. I did reach out to Senator Hoven's office and said, hey, is this accurate? They told me that um, you have to have a, you have to be a U.S. citizen, Social Security number in order to get direct payments. So I'm working on getting that cleared up. We'll keep you abreast as we get new information on that. Now, a couple of days ago, as this thing was coming out, we started to see $700 million to Sudan and all the money to Egypt and these different places. I asked you on Twitter, I said, hey, should President Trump veto this new COVID relief bill, this omnibus porculus bill? You can see here, uh, 86% of you, 86 plus percent of you said, yes, he should. And it looks like it's at least lean in that direction. He's going to put some pressure on Congress to at least amend it to get all the pork out of it and take care Here's a novel idea of Americans first. Now, is there a pitfall to this? I mean, could could there be a quote unquote, you know, bad chess move or trap, if you will, if President Trump were to veto this thing? And I just want to put out a theory here. Again, I think people appreciate the fact that President Trump wants to fight for Americans first, put America first. But after this video, Speaker Pelosi did put out Republicans repeatedly refused to say what amount the president wanted for direct checks. At last, the president agreed to two thousand dollars. Democrats are ready to bring this to the floor this week by unanimous consent. Let's do it. And I and I want to share that with you because you can see how the Democrats are going to be able to utilize any delay possibly, or if he does veto it, um, and then point at Republicans in the Georgia Senate runoff. So there's going to be a delicate balance here because remember, that's January 6th. And if, if the Democrats can use a veto or delay in direct payments to use against Republicans down in Georgia, could that have an impact? You never know, but it potentially could. So it's something just to be aware of um, as we continue to, f to follow how this thing is going to play out. Again, please share your point of view with us. Would you like to see President Trump veto this omnibus porculus COVID relief bill or not? Very easy to do. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail, uh, whatever's easiest for you. Also, I want to talk about this. Earlier today, I had a chance to sit down with the chief medical officer at Essentia Health, uh, Dr. Vetter to talk about just the rollout of the vaccine here in North Dakota. Before I get to that, there's been a lot of conversation about who who's going to get the vaccine first. How are states determining that? We've heard about the 1A with frontline workers, healthcare workers, uh, people in long-term care facilities. But a while back, it was December 8th, we shared with you how Minnesota was utilizing um, via the CDC what's called the Social Vulnerability Index. So I want to play for you just again, just as a reminder so that you're privy to what's happening here in some different states, because North Dakota isn't going to do this initially, 
but I did reach out to the North Dakota Joint Information Center and ask them, hey, are, are we going to be using the CDC Social Vulnerability Index? Um, and according to them, we are going to be using that in the 1B tier or the next tier of vaccination. So just as a reminder, here's a little bit about what Minnesota is doing, utilizing what's called the Social Vulnerability Index. The group reviewed many different allocation scenarios. We looked at models to determine how distribution of the vaccine may affect areas and populations within our state. For example, as you heard before, we have clear data showing that areas of high social vulnerability are more likely to become areas of rapidly increasing COVID incidence, especially those areas with a high percentage of ethnic and minority residents and individuals living in crowded housing conditions. We also know that areas with high social vulnerability have a higher case fatality rate. Using this information, we recommended that the state allocate the vaccine based on population with some percentage of the allocation dedicated to regions with populations of high social vulnerability. So I reached out to the state of Minnesota. We did, producer Anna, and got some more information about this for you. And so currently 18 states are planning to incorporate uh, the social vulnerability index into their allocation for the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, Minnesota, their vaccine allocation advisory group recommends that 15% of the phase 1A vaccine allocation be distributed proportionally to regions based on a population living within this social vulnerability uh, area. So just want to get that information to you. Again, North Dakota is going to use it in the next year um, of how they're going to distribute the vaccines. Just something to be aware of, and obviously we'll keep you abreast as we get more information on that. All right, as I mentioned earlier today, I had a chance to sit down with Dr. Richard Vetter, the Chief Medical Officer from Essentia Health, and talk about the vaccine rollout here in North Dakota. Well, the COVID-19 vaccine has been rolling out all over the country as healthcare workers are lining up, including those right here in the Red River Valley. So joining us now with the latest update, we've got Dr. Richard Vetter, Essentia Health Chief Medical Officer. Dr. Better, great to see you. Um, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you, Chris. So rollout of the COVID vaccine, seems like it's been going pretty well. How's it going here in North Dakota? Yeah, there's been a lot of excitement around uh, receiving the vaccine and getting it out to our frontline workers, our healthcare workers and our long-term care residents. And a lot of excitement, a lot of hope, and uh, really giving us a lot of encouragement that we're going to be rounding the corner. And uh, I think we can start to see some light at the end of the tunnel, which has been um, a great effort uh, to, to have that. Do you have any idea where the numbers are at currently as far as how many people have uh, gotten the vaccine? I know we've got more shipments coming in. Do you have any information on that by chance? Yeah, so I checked the uh, health department website this morning, and they said that 25,000 doses have been allocated to North Dakota. Uh, 12,000 of the Pfizer, 13,000 of the Moderna, and about 8,500 have been administered. But there, you know, it was probably a day or day and a half delay in those reports. Within Essentia Health, uh, we've to, to, to up to today have actually uh, vaccinated about 4,000 across both North Dakota and Minnesota, uh, and it's been going very well. People are very excited um, uh, to be receiving their vaccine. Yeah, there's some big news this morning that broke where the government bought another 100 million doses from Pfizer. Do you have any? I guess if you could help educate us, what's the biggest distinction between the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine? Yeah, so they're both messenger RNA vaccines, so they're very similar in that regard. Probably the biggest difference is uh, the storage requirements are a little bit more stringent for the Pfizer vaccine, which has been making the distribution a little bit more challenging. Um, and then the age difference um, that the um, Pfizer vaccine is actually approved down to age 16 and the Moderna vaccine 
only down to uh, age 18 and above. Uh, so those are the major differences, but the, the technology uh, and the science behind it is um, uh, the same. They're both messenger RNA uh, vaccines. So you hear some people out there with trepidation just because of the rapid speed this was developed. I mean, most people take, Chris, it's going to take, you know, 10 years to get a vaccine out. This one obviously done within less than a year. Um, for people that have got some trepidation or reservations, what would you say to them? I would say all the information we have to date shows that the um, vaccine has been very safe. You know, even within our own facilities, I think we've had uh, three minor reactions um, out of that 4,000 doses um, to date. And so it uh, seems to be matching what the studies showed from the manufacturers, about a 2% incidence of mild side effects, you know, a little stiff arm or low-grade fever. Um, but really, the um, effectiveness is 95, 90 to 95%, and the side effect profile seems to be um, in line with what uh, was earlier reported. If you look at the way the vaccine was actually manufactured, it actually was built off a platform that was developed for the Ebola uh, outbreak a few years ago. And so that background or that template uh, for developing these uh, DNA nucleic acid uh, vaccines was already, um, the platform was already developed and that just helped kind of speed that along. And I think the government then also, you know, purchased or pre-purchased a bunch of doses. And so while the vaccine was going through the trials, the vaccine was actually being made with the hope that the trials would, uh, you know, be positive and then the vaccine would be readily available. So uh, I would say that that gamble really did pay off in a big way. And one of the big distinctions I've heard, Doc, is the fact that <clears throat> clearly, you know, technology is advanced. And I think I read or heard that they'd done trials on you know 70,000 plus people is that accurate that that's a pretty good size trial number isn't it yeah no i think if you look at both the moderna and the pfizer vaccine it was about 75,000 participants that uh, participated in those uh, phase 3 trials uh thanks so much to dr vetter for the insight and information there and as always Please share your point of view with us. Let me know your thoughts. Again, President Trump, should he veto this porculous bill or not? And then what you heard there from Dr. Vetter as well about the COVID-19 vaccine. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. When we get back, we're going to get to your points of view. A lot of great stuff coming in about this porculous bill. We'll get to that and much more coming up right after this.